0: Today we are taking a break from the book of Joshua for one week and then we'll finish up uh, the next couple Sundays before Easter. And so I encourage you, instead of looking at Joshua today, we're going to look at the book of Ecclesiastes, a passage out of chapter 4. If you want to follow along with me in your Bibles, you can, or you can watch uh, follow along on the screen behind me as well. Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun there was a man all alone he had neither brother nor son and there was no end to his toil yet his eyes were not content with his wealth for whom am i toiling he asked and why am i being deprived and why am i depriving myself of enjoyment this too is meaningless a miserable business two are better than one because they have a good return for their work if one falls down his friend can help him up But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. There was a movie a number of years back that was critically acclaimed, but didn't have much success at the box office entitled A Straight Story. It's about a man who was in his 80s coming towards the end of his life and as we often do at certain points of our life he began to reflect uh, about his relationships. And uh, he uh, had a brother who was um, estranged. They were estranged from each other. The the, the brother lived several states away and doesn't really tell us what happened exactly but they were estranged and they had not been in touch for many years. And the man felt this urge to, to try to reconcile and connect with his brother before the end of their lives. But he had no way of getting there except for an old John Deere lawn tractor. So he climbs into it and he drives the tractor at five miles an hour on a mission, hundreds of miles, to reconcile with his brother. Now, during the course of the movie, he meets a lot of different people. And one memorable encounter is with a young girl who's all alone. She's left her family uh, and she's run off by herself. And they're sitting around a fire at, at night talking to each other. And she begins to tell him his, her story. And after a while, she basically, it comes out, you know, why did you leave your family? Well, I'm better off without them. I'm I'm stronger alone. The old man, ironically, is trying to fix the very thing that she's running from. A broken family relationship. And so he picks up a stick and he looks her in the eyes and says, this is you. And he breaks the stick. He says, if you go it alone, life will break you. After he'd done that, he picked up several sticks and put them together in a bundle and he tried to break them. They wouldn't break. And he said to her, that's what many sticks will do in your life. You can make it when there's a, a band of people who stay together. You know, the desire to, to belong to a group, to be a part of a, a band of people who stick together, is perhaps the deepest human need that we, we have. And the most successful sitcoms tap into that, don't they? Way back, the, the Cosby show... Uh, Uh, This family, they weren't perfect. They made mistakes. They had a lot of fun together. Uh, But it was something that drew you in because they they were a community. They were a family. And we we wanted that. We wanted to kind of have that vicariously. Uh, A similar kind of dynamic. Remember the the sitcom Cheers set in in a bar in Boston. And the theme song was what? You want to go where everybody knows your name. We all want to be known. And we all want to know others well and deeply. Friends. Became almost a surrogate group of friends for millions of people and the Big Bang Theory is kinda of tapping into the same sort of desire. A bunch of goofy, nerdy scientists and physicists, and, and yet they kind of connect with each other and, and we kind of you know watch it and say, Oh, you know, we want that sort of relationship. We all are designed to be in relationship with each other. Now what's the worst kind of punishment that you can give to a prisoner? Is it is it physical, hard labor? No. Solitary confinement. To be cut off from human contact becomes unbearable, un- un- untenable. Remember the, the movie uh, Castaway? You know, Tom Hanks, Oscar winner, and all that. Uh, he, he's marooned on an island all by himself after a plane crash. And he, and he, he has this deep desire for connection, so much so that he forms a, an unusual relationship with a volleyball named Wilson. And he has feelings so deep. That this connection—that he risked his life to try to save Wilson when Wilson is swept out to sea, and when he's lost, he breaks down and just sob[s] because he realizes once again he's all alone, isolated, unconnected with anybody. We're all designed for relationship. Maybe you've been a part of a group where it's been a very positive experience, and you connected deeply with somebody or a or, or group of people, and you felt accepted and. and and and, and known, and you you felt heard, and you can talk to each other, and it's a powerful experience. Maybe you've had the opposite experience. you wanted to be part of a group, and you felt excluded. You haven't felt heard. You haven't felt understood. God has designed us to live in community. Think back all the way to the beginning. Creation was not complete when God created Adam. When God finished Adam, he stepped back and made this very important assessment in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it is not good for the man to be alone. Uh, my wife, Nancy, has been gone for a couple of days and I can tell you it's not good for a man to be alone. Uh, you know, things just kind of um, begin to kind of decay a little bit around the house, you know. Uh, in fact, if anybody wants to swing by this afternoon and help me clean up before she gets home, that would be great. That'd be great. It is not good for man to be alone. We are designed and function best when we have close and meaningful relationships with other human beings. We find significance in life from building relationships. Now, if you've ever read the book of Ecclesiastes, you'll know that it's kind of a philosophical book, a reflective book, kind of an insightful analysis of life. It can also come across as kind of pessimistic and fatalistic and depressing and the author, who most believed to be was Solomon, was a, describes life as basically meaningless. And it's interesting to note that he was a very powerful king, a ruler, a very wealthy man. And the Bible says he was the wisest man in the world. And yet, he has all of this, and he describes life as, as essentially meaningless. Work, wealth, wisdom. He says, what's the point? It's all meaningless. But through the course of the 12 chapters of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says two things. Two things do have meaning, do have significance. A relationship with our Creator, a relationship with God, and relationships with other people. And our passage today focuses on the, on the latter, the incredible benefits of doing life together with other people. But before we unpack this passage, I want to make a couple of clarifications about the passage. First, Even though this is often read at weddings, it's not really a wedding text. It's about relationships in general. It's appropriate to be read at a wedding, but it's not about wedding, a marriage relationship specifically. It doesn't matter if you're married or single. The point is we all need somebody other than ourselves with whom to do life. Second clarification. The design is not always reality, is it? God has designed us to benefit more by relationships with other people than by being alone in this world. But there are times when, regardless of God's design, that some of us prefer some time alone. There's nothing wrong with that. Different people have different levels of need for relationship. There are introverts and there are extroverts. Some need to are satisfied with just a few close relationships. Some need many relationships to feel satisfied. But the point is, we are not designed to do life alone. So let's, let's move to our text. And again, Solomon's message is clear. We are stronger together than when we we're alone and we're more vulnerable and there's greater risk when we try to do it alone. And Solomon looks at three different scenarios in this short passage. The person with no relationship of significance in verse 8. The person with one close relationship in verses 8 through the first part of 12. And the person with two or more relationships of significance in the last part of verse 12. So take a look at the first. Verse eight, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother, and there was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling? He asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? God has designed us to find our primary significance through community, not through a career. And so often we get it reversed, don't we? It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with career or achievements. God has designed us to, to achieve and to work. We have the ability to do those things. If we don't work, we, we, we become depressed. We lose that sense of meaning and significance and self-worth. It's not wrong to work hard at things. But if we reverse it and put our primary significance, find it primarily, our identity comes primarily from what we do instead of the relationships we have, Well, that goes contrary to God's relationship. And and meaning and satisfaction begins to leach and leak out of our lives. Now, whether Solomon knew this man or whether it was just an illustration, we don't know. But in verse 8, he says, there was a certain man who was all alone. He had no family, didn't have close friends, but he had a job, we assume. He went to work. He made a lot of money. All he did was work. All he did was labor. And he has amassed a huge amount of wealth. He had all these riches, but the irony was his life had no richness. And one day he asked himself, what is the point? And he realized that all of this without relationship was neither satisfying nor fulfilling. And Solomon concludes that such a life is too much work for what you get out of it. The richness of life is missed. If we do not have someone with whom to share it, someone who knows us deeply, someone whom we share with, do life with, love, forgive, accept, listen to. Life is too short to miss the richness of community. Now, there are two compelling realities about doing life alone that I want to bring to your attention. First, one of Satan's key strategies is to divide and conquer is is to isolate us. He wants us to try to do it on our own. He wants us to try to do it alone. Because he knows that when people are alone they're most vulnerable. And so he allows people's feelings to get hurt. And he orchestrates wounds of the spirit, unforgiveness, bitterness, a sense that we reject others before they reject us. We become alienated. He wants us to struggle as much as we can, and the best way for that to happen is for us to be alone to do it alone. Martin Luther addressed this when he said, no man should be alone when he opposes Satan. The church and the ministry of the word were instituted for this purpose, that hands may be joined together and one may help another. If the prayer of one doesn't help, the prayer of another will. So spiritually speaking, we are, we are called and we're best off when we do life together. We're stronger, we're less vulnerable, we thrive more we grow more. Which brings us to the second observation. It's impossible. It's, it's impossible to become the person God has created you to be and called you to be unless you're in relationships of significance and depth with other believers. Just can't happen. We cannot mature spiritually by ourselves in isolation. Paul is clear about this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. That it's only as we work in tandem together in the body of Christ that we grow to maturity in Christ. We come to faith in Jesus individually, but we grow corporately. We grow together. You know, in the early centuries of the church, uh, there was a well-intended but misguided uh, uh, kind of movement amongst certain people to isolate themselves in the idea that, well, we won't be corrupted by the world, we'll become more holy, and we'll be better off spiritually if we just pull back and do life by ourselves. And they went so far as to live on pillars out in the desert because they thought that isolation would help them to grow more holy. Didn't happen. Didn't work. Failed miserably. We need each other to make spiritual progress. Spiritual growth does not happen in a vacuum by ourselves, apart from the body of Christ. That's scenario uh, number one. Life without close relationships is virtual poverty, Solomon says, no matter how wealthy you might be. So now he moves on to scenario number two. It's about facing life with somebody else who can then help make it easier. Verse nine. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls... And there's no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? God has designed us to face life together. In God's math, one plus one is greater than two when relationships come in together. Two are stronger than one. And together we stand a better chance. And so Solomon then turns to four illustrations to demonstrate this point of doing life together. The first illustration is in the, in the realm of work. Verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. You know, work in general goes much easier when two people share in it, right? Grew up on a farm, we always had chores and, and a lot of them were tedious and hard and not the most exciting thing to do. And yet it was always better when somebody was sent with you, a sibling, another coworker. It always went faster, but it also seemed lighter because you were sharing the work together. Success comes through cooperation and success is meaningless without someone with whom to share it. Solomon also used an illustration to, to demonstrate his point and regarding a fall. Verse 10. If either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe is the one who falls when there is not another there to lift him up. Now, certainly, there's the physical application of this. If you live live alone and you fall, you need somebody to help you up, right? But I think more importantly, or more more specifically, what he's referring to is in our lives, there are times when we fall. When we fall short of who God wants us to be, whether as a a husband or a wife or a son or a friend or just a child of God, we fall short. We fall. We make a lapse in judgment. We we sin. We get stuck, and and we, we don't know if we can if we can get back up and get on the right path again. And Solomon is telling us here that we need people around us who know us well enough, people that we've opened up to, who, who know us well enough and love us enough to kind of help us get right back on the path, to pull us up, to hold us accountable, to forgive us, to accept us, to get us on the path again, staying up on our feet, following the Lord. The third illustration Solomon uses to kind of get this idea of doing life together across is in verse 11. If two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Now, if you remember the story of the coal miners uh, who were trapped for three days, 240 feet beneath the surface, there was nine of them, and they were in a water-filled mine shaft. The water was 55 degrees, and there was a real possibility, of danger of them dying of hypothermia. And so they decided early on that they were either going to live together, or live together as a group, or die together as a group. So they stuck together. They didn't try to explore how to get out. They stuck together, and when one person got really cold, they would gather around and share warmth, and, and vice versa. But more importantly than my shared was, when one guy got down emotionally and wanted to kind of give up and couldn't hang in there, they, they would come alongside and they kind of they kind of buck them up, and they would they would kind of encourage them, and, and, and together they would. They would kind of help the person continue to focus on, on the possibility of getting out of there. We need the warmth and encouragement of other people to get through whatever tough times we might face in our lives. And then the fourth illustration Solomon uses here, uh, the whole idea of doing life together, goes back again to the, the danger of, of attack. In verse 12. If one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. You know, when we lived in Chicago, there are certain parts of the city that if you went, you made sure you, somebody went with you. you because you knew that if you're by yourself, you're much more vulnerable, much more likely to be a target of attack. So you went in groups. And there are periods in our lives when maybe not physically, but maybe we'll come under a critical criticism or, or feel under attack at work or whatever it might be in relationships. And we need other people to come alongside us so that together we can stand up and not, be, and not give in and not be overcome. Now for the third scenario. Solomon has looked at what it's like to do life by ourselves, what it's like to do life with one partner, and now the third scenario, last part of verse 12. The cord of three strands is not quickly broken. God has designed us to come together in groups of people to strengthen and support and encourage each other. One of my favorite movies is, is Gladiator. It's, it's, I know it's a bloody, violent movie, but it's, there's some powerful themes in it. And it's, and it's kind of uplifting in many ways. If you remember in the movie, um, uh, Maximus and, and some of his uh, fellow gladiators have been training in the desert. Now they've come to the big city in Rome. And they're basically being used as fodder for the professional Roman gladiators. And so they're thrown into the middle of the Colosseum, the stadium. And, and out come the professionals and horses and chariots, and they have nothing but their armed foot, and they don't have the same sort of weapons. And it looks like they're going to be overcome. And Maximus pulls them together and says, we have a better chance if we stick together. If we stay together, we will survive. And they did. Or as Benjamin Franklin put it back in the, during the American Revolution, we must all indeed hang together, or most assuredly, we shall all hang separately. The third strand that Solomon is talking about adds significant strength and the core can take a lot more strain. And that third strand should take a couple different forms. First, when Christ is in the middle of our relationships, when the power of Christ is, is present and available and accessible to it, and when we tap into it, and rely upon his strength through the Holy Spirit, through his word, through his people, our relationships are strengthened exponentially. And second, when there are three or more people committed to each other and their well-being, whether it's an accountability group or a small group, a life group, a prayer group, it's going to be so much easier to tackle the challenges of life and be that much harder for us to fail. And with each closer relationship that we add, we, we are in, much, we're in a stronger and stronger position. One of our primary purposes here at First Covenant um, is to encourage and nurture and and, and help build and sustain those sorts of relationships. And I know sometimes the sheer numbers of people and the busyness and the the hectic nature of life, work, family, commitments, whatever, those things can, can keep us from being intentional about those sorts of relationships. But we have to be so intentional we have to be so intentional because there are so many pressures and so many things that can pull us away from what's most important in life. And that's why we encourage people to be part of a life group, whether it's with the youth or through the, the adults, or be involved in, 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 in something like Breakout or, 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 or Women of the Word or, or Iron Man, or Alpha, so on and so forth. We will offer many ways for people to get connected with each other, not just for head knowledge, but for relational strength and transformation in their lives. You know, we've got a wonderful facility here. It's incredible. And we meet together and we use it all the time. But if we're not connecting with each other in deep and meaningful and significant relationships, it really is is a waste. It should be a tool for us to go deeper in Christ by going deeper in relationships with each other. And by going further in mission, by by serving together and and being close together, in a sense, going into the world and and, and doing battle for the Lord together through prayer and love and service and grace and mercy. We do so much better when we do life together. Going back to the, the old man on the tractor and the young girl running away from her family. Next morning the man got up and he was about to leave and the girl had already left. And the man found a, a bundle of sticks tied together with a piece of twine and was sitting by the where the fire had been. The girl had gotten the message. May we get that message as well. Two are better than one. The cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you that you have created us in your image. And Lord, we we know from your word that you are a God of community yourself. Three yet one, one yet three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to be in, in close, intimate relationship as well. Where we know each other. Where we accept each other where we love for each other, pray for each other, encourage each other, where we help each other up when we fall. Lord, we pray that as your people, we would be relying upon your Son, Jesus Christ, that we would make sure he's a part of every relationship that we're in, whether it's in the home or at work or at school, in the neighborhood, that we would Tap into the power and the strength the truth of Jesus Christ in our lives and relationships. Father, we pray that in the things that we do, uh, that you would be honored. And that we would love each other in such a way that people would look at the church and say, they may not be perfect people, but they really do care for each other. They do love each other. They're close. They're family. So, Lord, help us. Help us to do life together, to be intentional about it, to make it a priority. And to find our significance in relationship with you, in relationship with others. We ask this in Christ's powerful and precious name, through whom we pray, and by whom we're saved. Amen.